Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. We have been talking these past couple of weeks about our relationship to things. We exist in a relationship. It's the context of our existence that we are in a relationship to God, to other people, and to things. This relationship, the quality of this relationship is what really defines us whether we're good or bad, whether we're on a path to God or into darkness, whether we found a true and happy meaning of life or whether we are trapped in some sort of slavery. God made Adam, the first man, and immediately he gave him lots of things. (laughs) Lots and lots of things he gave him. Things to enjoy, things to care for, things to protect. Things to offer back to God in thanksgiving. Things that he was supposed to use in a holy way which would enrich his relationship to other people and ultimately with God himself. We can see that a good relationship with things, a right ordered relationship with things, is very important to man's life. In fact, it was a disordered relationship with these things that caused the fall and all our misery to this very day. Man ended up loving these things, worshiping these things, looking to these things to make him happy, to fulfill him. It became idolatry and forgetfulness of God. And this is what destroyed man's beauty. This is what enslaved him, gave him a meaningless and depressed existence, propelled him towards death. So how we relate to things in our lives has a very big impact on our relationship to God and with other people. We may respond to the gospel that we hear, the gospel of salvation. We may respond and we may profess our belief in Jesus Christ. But then when it comes to making real changes in our relationship with things, we all know that there's very often a disconnect. Christ says, many, say who lo- many who say, Lord, Lord, will not enter the kingdom of heaven. If we're going to return to a life giving relationship with God, then we must address our relationship to things. Things. Things like money, food, time, Intellectual pursuits, entertainment, luxuries and possessions, recognition, prestige, position, all kinds of things we need to be concerned about. We are told that Jesus spoke more frequently about money than any other topic. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but I know for certain that Jesus often describes our salvation again and again. And our relationship with God in terms of commerce, buying and selling, and trading of goods. This probably is his favorite motif for describing our relationship to God. 
St. Paul calls the love of money the root of all evil. In both East and West, greed and avarice make up the short list of the major sinful passions. We know tragically that the one thing that kept the otherwise good and moral rich man from salvation was his love of money. If we're going to be real Christians, we cannot ignore our relationship to things. This relationship must be rightly ordered. Our parable today, the parable of the unjust steward, which some consider the most difficult of all Jesus' parables, it's probably because it confronts their actual theological system <laughs> and it confronts their own lives. This parable tells us how we can use money and other sources, by extension, for our salvation. You can see why it might not be so easy to understand this parable. The master extols the unjust steward and appears to be advocating some immoral behavior. We know he's not, but that's what it sounds like at first. The punchline to the parable is also very confusing. He says, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. So, here's a repeat of the parable and paraphrase. This wealthy estate owner, the master, he received some intel that his property manager, his steward, was wasting his goods. And so he calls the manager in to give an account. And the steward knows he's about to be sacked. And he also knows he's one of those frail types who's never going to be able to make it digging ditches. So he comes up with this very shrewd and immoral, by the way, plan which will ensure that he will be cared for after he is fired. He calls all the people that are in debt to his master and he has them change the amount of their bill to much less than what they actually owe. Now the master finds out about this and surprisingly, this is the first surprise of the parable, surprisingly the master, who's going to lose money in this deal, actually commends the unjust steward for his shrewdness. So that's our first surprise. Then Jesus, the narrator of the story, he breaks off and he speaks in his own voice. He offers a commentary at this point, and he says to the disciples, quote, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. At the end of the parable, Jesus reveals the whole message with another zinger. He says to the disciples, and I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Now, before we go on, let's be very clear. Jesus is not commending the shrewd manager for his dishonesty. He is commending the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. There's a big difference. The reason Jesus has the steward in the story to be dishonest and immoral is for a contrasting effect. An effect between the worldly man who is shrewd and industrious in his pursuit of wealth in contrast to the moral man, in our case, Christian believers, who lack a certain zeal in their obtaining of eternal rewards. So think for a moment in our day of the Rockefellers, 
Vanderbilt, Carnegie, Zuckerberg, Gates, Bezos, these men we think of, these super obscenely wealthy men. These men pursued greatness and wealth with everything they possessed. They gave everything to it, and they truly became great in the sense as the world counts greatness. They stopped at nothing. They used everything they could to lay hold and to achieve their goals. In contrast, the believer who knows really the truth, who knows and understands the true desire of every human heart, the abundant riches that we long for and that we look for, the very glory of God. And we know the way to lay hold of these things. We know how to do it, to die to self, to live for him. These sons of unrighteous mammon show more zeal for something that perishes than the sons of light do to obtain an eternal reward. So this is the point that Christ is making to the disciples. It is not enough to simply profess the right thing and rest on Christ's laurels. We need to be clever and industrious in our pursuit of eternal salvation. And Jesus tells us how to do it. He says in verse 9, And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon. Mammon was an ancient Syrian god who patronized wealth. As I said, it is the love of money, according to St. Paul, that is the root of all evil. And Jesus' reference here to unrighteous mammon draws our attention to the inescapable lure of greed. It is almost impossible, we know, for a rich man to enter heaven. And yet, and yet it is this ubiquitous evil of greed which makes mammon the perfect tool in obtaining salvation. Let me repeat that. It is the pervasive, the all-pervasive evil of greed which makes mammon the perfect tool in obtaining salvation. This is a profound principle which you can apply across the board. Beat the devil at his own game. That's how you do it. The death of death by death. The death of death by death. We overcome greed. How? By the use of the very possessions that we lust after. The steward shrewdly used evil mammon to obtain future security once he was cast out of his master's house. He made friends by reducing their debt so that when he was thrown out, he could go to each one of them and they would give him a place to stay in return for the good deed he did for them. Jesus is saying we should do the same. We should use mammon to make friends so that when we leave this world, we will have an eternal home. Through the right relationship with things, we can attain a right relationship with other people and with God. Mammon may be unrighteous, But if it is used for something good and virtuous, when we give it away, when it does not control us, but rather give it freely, when we use it for good works, this is the point 
of Christ's punchline of the story. Make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. When you fail means when you die. When you die, there's going to be a personal judgment, which will determine whether you are welcome into the everlasting home, a place of warmth, comfort, joy, or whether you are cast into outer darkness. And your judges, it seems, according to the parable, are these friends you have hopefully made through your virtuous deeds in this life. Asterius of the 4th century puts it like this. When, therefore, anyone anticipating his end and his removal to the next world lightens the burdens of his sins by good deeds, either by canceling the obligation of debtors or by supplying the poor with abundance, by giving what belongs to the Lord, he gains many friends who will attest his goodness before the judge and secure him by their testimony a place of happiness. You have heard it said, don't give in order to get. That makes me very uncomfortable because the scriptures seem to say very much the opposite. Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. Paul runs his race to obtain a crown which awaits him. St. Timothy fulfills his obligation as an evangelist because he knows there is a judgment coming and which he will be judged. This parable is moral mercenary. If we ignore that aspect, we've missed the whole point of the parable. Jesus is admonishing the sons of light for not being more aggressively industrious in their pursuit of the heavenly glory. The admonition of the parable is to amass heavenly treasure through generosity, good works, good works, and particularly generosity is spiritual shrewdness. To be shrewd is to be astute in practical matters. Those of you who are in business understand that to be shrewd is to be astute in practical matters. In this case, the practical matter of eternal salvation and heavenly reward. What you do and what you don't do in this life matters in the next. And your relationship to things is important to your relationship to other people and to God. When we appear before the judgment, and we all shall, we must ensure that there will be for us there waiting a host of friends standing nearby who will speak up, bear witness to our love, our good deeds. How many friends do you have waiting for you? Oh, my mother, she had lots and lots of friends waiting for her to bear witness of her generosity. We need to make friends ourselves, friends that will stand and give testimony of our love for God and for them. And then we will hear the Lord, and we will have good reason to expect the Lord to say, I do know you, I do know you, my son, my daughter, enter into the joy of your master. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.